for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Possible. So if you've got your book with you, have you got your book? Okay, we are on page 34. Page 34, uh, home, building a family through the four Gs. Okay. If you like to turn in your Bible to Ephesians. So let's just remind ourselves why you're going there uh, to Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to read a few verses there in a moment. But uh, on our first slide is what it's all about. Up, in and out. So let's stand, shall we? Let's do some exercise. We've been sitting a few minutes. So it's up... In and out. Okay, again. Up, in and out. And this is the end of the in series. And then next week we'll be going on to out, I believe. Um, So up, in and out. So the first part is our relationship with God. The up, that's our relationship with God. The in is about ourselves and community. And the out is about reaching out into God's great big world. So if you've got your Bibles and Ephesians chapter 2, and we just read these verses. That verse, in, in, in chapter 2, he's talking about how we... Chapter 1, he talks about the great purpose of God. We have a sovereign God who rules over the nations and who will accomplish his purposes. That should be an amen. Yeah? And because God is on his throne... No matter what is going on, God is on his throne and his purposes will be fulfilled. And some of that is in in relation to us as individuals, in in bringing us to know Christ, in restoring us to that relationship with God, which you can find about in chapter 2. Once we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, but hallelujah, if you know Jesus, now you have been made what? A bit better than that. Now you've been made alive. Yes. So you, you, you are now alive in Christ. You are more alive than you were before. Amen? Amen. So that, that's, that's a good, good place to be, isn't it? If you don't know Jesus this morning, then that's the answer. He's the answer to your question in life. What's it all about? Come to God and discover Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll discover a whole new dimension to living that you could never have possibly imagined. And that's what coming around the table is all about for us as as Christians, where we remember we're here, not because we're good people, but because Jesus died to save us. He gave his life for us. He paid the price for our sin. And we don't have to do anything. That's great, isn't it? Except believe that he has done it all. And in doing that, we are reconciled to God. That's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And if you don't know him this morning, I would commend him to you. You know, he is beautiful beyond comparison and worthy of all our worship and praise. So, we are saved. But we're not just saved as individuals. As you've come here this morning, you realize there's something called church. And we're just going to read from verse 11, uh, which says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. And even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. And in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. And you didn't know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. 
But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So Christ himself has brought peace to us. He has united Jews and Gentiles into one people when he's in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. And together as one body, Christ has re- reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He's brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near And now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we, caref- we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. And then down in verse 10 of chapter 3, for God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in their heavenly places, This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. I mean, that's there's dynamite there, isn't there? It's explosive. It's powerful truth. And, And you and I are caught up in God's glorious purpose. But we're not caught up in it on our own. We're caught up in it together. And it's important that we realize that this morning. If you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42... Acts 2, verse 42. So Peter, having preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are converted, and then it says in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, the people, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Jesus' big idea was the church. It wasn't simply to get you saved and get you to heaven, but to get you saved and join you to a community that would have a radical impact upon the earth and that would be a dynamic witness to the principalities and powers. You see, it confounds the powers when they look at any church and see the diversity of it. They see people redeemed from every tongue and tribe and nation, gathering together as one people, gathering together as one family in the Lord. 
And so we are made for community. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you are made for community. Come on. We are made for community. Let's declare it together. We are made for community. Let's say it again and have a good look round because there's some people you know well and it was great at camp for people to get to know people they hadn't got to know before. But let's have a look round as we say it and say, we are made for community. Yes, no man is an island and no man or woman was ever intended to be an island and you will not grow that way. You will not grow as a person. You will not grow as a Christian if you're isolated, if you're cut off from the world around you. And God has designed that we should be part of a community. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And, and it's, it's great, isn't it, to hear those stories as Graham was referring about the, the movement of the Spirit and the advance of the church against all odds in particular parts of the world where people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being baptized and being added to the church. And the church is, is, is not for consumers, it's for people who are partnering, partnering together. It's important that we, that we realize that because we, we do live in a consumerist society. And we can come to church and say, well, what's in it for me? And yeah, that's a good question. What am I going to get out of church? But at the end of the day, church is about partnership. It's about a body of people who are discovering how to do life together in God. It's about sharing life together. It's about understanding how we hear God and and process what God says and and how we move forward together as a body of people. It's it's how we are transformed and we we will be touching on that as we go along. So we, we notice here, point one, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they, they gave in many different ways. And, and so our first point here this morning is this notice of that they were people who gave. And we need to, to give ourselves, first of all, to God. And then secondly, to one another. And we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly. So all I have is yours. You know, if, we, if we're keeping our hand on anything, we will not grow fully in God. There will be a measure of restriction in our lives. It is when we come to that place and we say, God, here I am, wholly available. Here I am, take all of me and use me as you will. My talents, my time, what I have, my abilities and so on, take me and use me as you will. Being a doing family takes commitment You know, we've all been part of a family in different ways. Uh, We've known something of what it is to have relationships. Those of you who are parents, you know what it is to to raise a family. You know that things don't get done automatically. You know, you're, you're not Mary Poppins, for example. Perhaps you might wish that you were, that you could just, you know, have a little thing, you pull out the bag and somehow it just entertains the children and keeps them happy and solves this problem and that problem. But if you're anything like us, we discovered families work. Yeah? Families work. It needs the engagement of everybody within the family. And so for us as individuals, life is work. Marriage is work. Family is work. Community is work. And it requires our partnering together in this. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes energy. All I have is yours. 
And so when we commit to him, we're also committing to the church. We're saying, here I am. This is where I belong. This is a people to whom God has called me to. And that's important, especially in a day and age when people uh, are somewhat against commitment. And people want to be in it for one minute and then they want to go somewhere else. They want to do something else. Commitment means that you're there when the going gets tough as well as the times of great celebration. It means that you're there in the times of need as well as the times of plenty. It means that you're there when there's a battle to be fought as well as when there's joy and victory. And so all I have is yours. And doing church, you have to be intentional. And that's a good point to realize, that you have to be intentional. Many years ago, I, I set my heart on being intentional, not living by my feelings. If I lived by my feelings, there would be times when I didn't come to church. There would be times when I didn't go to group. There would be times when I didn't pray, and so on. You have to be intentional. I want to ask you this morning, are you intentional about your Christian faith? Are you committed in that way that you resolve it as something that you've already decided and don't have to do anymore? I remember hearing John Maxwell talk about marriage and and saying that he never had to renew that aspect of his marriage because he made the commitment at the beginning. What he was now doing was working it out day by day by day by day. So we we make our decisions. We we say, here I am. This is where I am committed. These are the people to whom I belong. And so intentionality is important as we do life together. Honoring and supporting and, and following those that God has called into leadership. Being there and and praying for them, and supporting, and and getting hold of the the culture and the vision of the church is important. Every church has its culture. Every church has its vision. And Gateway has a culture, and Gateway has a vision. And and yes, churches go through periods of transition, and we've been through a, a period of transition when God has been reshaping our thinking and helping us to, to see things in a different way. And so it's affecting our culture, and we, we're wanting to express more of a kingdom culture and understand what that is, and we're, we're going to be looking at the autumn again, revisiting that, uh, that whole area of what it means to be a kingdom people in this world. Jesus said, I will build my church. You go and proclaim the kingdom. You go and live out the kingdom. You proclaim the kingdom. You love like the king loves. You speak as the king speaks, and so on. And so we want to be a kingdom people. And so we want to give ourselves to to the culture and to the purpose of the church. And and that involves too that, yeah, as as any home in order to run, it means that there's finances. That we need money in order to survive. Then we need money in order to do what God has called us to do. And and we're so grateful for your generosity in in the recent offering. We're just absolutely you know, blown away by the generosity of God's people that has enabled us to, you know, really push ahead with the riverside. And, and uh, you know, that, so as a family, we, we share together, we give in to that family in order that it may be resourced to fulfill the call of God upon that family and serve the purpose of God in its generation. And so uh, we also think in respect of Uh, needing to give yourself to God's purpose of ownership. You know, being able to say, actually, this is my church. Do you ever say that? 
Or do you just use the nondescript, I go to Gateway? Do you say, this is my church? And in the right sense, I want to ask you, are you proud of it? Because I think we should be. Because it's God's church. And we're endeavoring to listen to his voice and follow his spirit. So, let's declare together, this is my church. Come on, let's stand up and declare it this time, shall we? Let's declare together, okay, on on three. One, two, three. This is my church. You see, we have to be intentional about that. So we have to own our church. So when people come in the doors, this is my church, I should make them feel welcome. Isn't that right? Yeah? You can be coming here ten years and might still think it's somebody else's job to make them feel welcome. It's not. It's our job to make people feel welcome. Isn't that right? Amen? Can I have a good amen? Amen. I'm getting a bit African now, aren't I? (laughs) So, this is is my church. I I own it in the right sense. I need to take ownership. It's my responsibility to make people feel welcome. It's my responsibility to encourage people, to help people, to... See if I can meet needs here and there, and I'm in danger of running ahead if I'm not very careful. Um, But you you get the idea, don't you? This is my church, and in the right sense, I am proud of it. And I want God to be glorified in it, and therefore I'm going to give myself to it as much as I can. So number two, uh, groups. We come to groups, and you notice there in our reading that they, they didn't just meet in the temple, but they met in one another's homes. They They broke bread together. They shared together in different ways. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We we love to encourage hospitality. Isn't that right? Who likes eating? Who likes eating? Oh, come on. Who likes a feast? Oh, we're getting there, aren't we? Yeah. You know, eating is a big part of kingdom life. It's a big part of family life, and the church is a family. And we love to eat together. We love to drink together. We love to feast together. And, uh, yeah, on that international day, that's what we want to do. We want to have a family time where we're enjoying a meal together. We're enjoying one another's company together. Because we're on a journey together. And families share meals with one another. And, it's you know, when you're sitting down and sharing a meal Somehow it helps conversation. That's one of the reasons why Alpha is so successful, because it's oriented around a meal, something that connects us in fellowship, whether you like the fish or not, you know. Um, But it it connects us in some way or other. And so they met together in one another's homes. You can't do life on your own. I, I really, really can't stress that enough. You can't do life on your own out there in the world, and you can't do your life on your own within the church. We need one another. I need you, you need me, we need one another. It's the only way that we can fully mature and it's the only way that we can grow healthy. And you've only got to look at scripture to realize that and do your research because when you live on your own, you can think you're, you're king. You can think everything's fine with you. But it's when you rub shoulders with people who do things differently. It's when you rub shoulders with people who think differently. It's when you rub shoulders with people who act differently. That's where the challenge is. 
how do you do life together? And so you can't, you can't do life on your own. We were made to do life together. And um, if we can go to the slide, I think I've got a slide here on, on groups. Um, I, I like this one, grow-ups. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't see it to begin with. It's funny how you can see things and not see it. And then I, I came back to this one and I, I saw it and I thought, I like that picture because that's what groups are about. They're about grow-ups. They're about places where we grow in the Lord, where we grow together, where we mature in the Lord. And uh, without a group, nothing goes deep or has lasting impact on our lives. We're both uh, biologically and socially dependent. That's the way God has made us. We need to be exposed to to people who provide nurture and and safe love. And people who are models for us of a higher maturity and development. So we we don't want to be just in groups where we're all on the same level. Because the danger is you can stay on that level. But we need to be mixing with people who inspire us to go higher to go further, to get more. And uh, that's some of what our generation is lacking because we want to we boil it all down to some mundane, very ordinary level where we kind of like all wallow in our kind of whatever it is we're wallowing in. Actually, God's call is higher than that. And I have loved being with people who are more mature than I am, who've gone further than I am. I, I, I'm thankful to, to God for for fathers and mothers in Israel who've modelled something for me, uh, for me and who I have learned from. Two things uh, block our growth, they, and they are unfinished trauma, recovery, and the lack of life-giving relationships. They're two things that will block your growth and my growth. Unfinished trauma, recovery, and the lack of life-giving relationships. I want to say, if you are in a place this morning where there's unfinished trauma recovery, there are opportunities here. There are people here who can help you. There's a pastoral team, people who have particular ministry gifts who can help you unlock that situation, discover that, that, that healing heart of God for yourself and help you to come to healing and, and greater wholeness. All of us in some way are people on recovery. All of us in some way or other are being healed and made more whole. So those two things. But life, so unfinished trauma recovery and the other one, the lack of life-giving relationships. You know, there are some relationships you can have that just suck the life out of you. Yeah? They can just... And you need life-giving relationships. You need to be connected with people who, I just love being that with that person. You know, there are, there are things that will suck the life out of us. It's a natural course of events. We all have our ups and downs in life. And at, and, and at times, we, 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 we draw life from others and we need that. But we also want to be in places where we are life-givers as well where we ourselves contribute. And the amazing thing about this journey is you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be all totally healed because God is just bigger than us. Isn't that right? And he just uses us with our unfinished trauma recovery. Yeah? So whoever you are this morning, don't rule yourself out. 
of the game. God can use you. Even with all that you're struggling to work out in the mo- at this moment in time, God's grace and power are bigger than you and your circumstances. And that's the staggering thing. You, I've been in situations and I thought, God, I can't believe you just did that because I just did not feel right. I just did not feel as if I, I was in that place where you could use me. But that's our God. Now, it doesn't excuse staying there, but that's our God. So it means we all get to play. And that's the whole beauty of this life together, that actually we all get to play. We can all contribute in some way or another. So life-giving relationships. What relationships have you got? Have you got those relationships where you are receiving life? Where people are ministering to you life? Not just about how the football club's doing. We men like to go down that route, don't we? Oh, West Ham are doing... Oh, are they? You know. I just question there, are they? Are they doing well? I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't throw any books at me. Uh, but, you know, about spiritual things as well. Let's talk about life in God together. What it means to do life in God together and how we grow and mature and the challenges that we find in working that out. We need to receive life in order to give it. That's a, that's a principle of life. And uh, so we can be both givers and receivers. Givers and receivers. Givers and receivers. That's the beauty of the church. We have community groups. And they're a great place to be involved and uh, where we can find support for one another, where we can learn to follow Jesus in a, more, in a deeper way, where we can reach out into our spheres of influence. You know, that when, if we, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, if we just stopped the meeting at this moment in time and asked where people worked, what their connections were, etc. All those potential spheres of influence in education, in the health services, in justice, in business, in money, and so on and so forth. You could go on multiplying it out and out. So we have community groups, and if you're, if you're not part of a community group, I would encourage you, we as elders will enc- would encourage you, get to be part of one. There's a sign-up list out there, or a, rather a list of groups that you can pick up, and you can ring up the leaders, and you can find out which one suits you, and, and, and on which, what, what day, etc. But they are a good place to be. They are where we, we process some of this stuff that we're doing on Sunday. We process it together. But we also have fun together. We eat together. Uh, etc. We enjoy the journey together. So community groups and uh, you know, praise God we, we are seeing them multiply and our encouragement to, to the groups is multiplication not stagnation. Not saying oh this is a nice little group, let's keep it this way. We're encouraging all the community group leaders to think actually no, there will, become, there will come a time when this group multiplies. Because that's God's will. The multiplication of the groups across the life of the church. So, and then there are missional groups, and you can think in different ways of, of how, that is, how that is worked out. At the moment, at this moment in time, East Soul and Chronic Pain are, are great missional groups. 
You know, in the way they have reached people and people have come to Christ, people have been baptized, people have been added to the church. And as time goes by, we want to see a greater emphasis on missional groups and, and that heart for God's great big world to, to how, how we reach it, a strong missional heart that's relating to particular people, to places and, and, and passions. And, you know, just to be able to explore that one together. And we want to encourage you to think about that. We want to encourage you to, to pray into that. Maybe you've got some ideas that you could come and share and, and so on. And who knows what God can do. And particularly as we, we think of the riverside, that is, that is our home, as Graham was saying. But it's also a missional base. And it's a place where we particularly want to emphasize the missional as we reach out into the area around about. But we will be reaching into Ashford as well. So it'll be where you live, where you work, and so on. So groups are important to our life together, to our growing together. Uh, They're important to our mission. Then thirdly, God has gifted us. God has gifted you, and you need to use your gifts. Every one of us has been gifted by God. It's funny how we can, particularly those of us who are English, I think it's a trait where we kind of look down on ourselves. We're kind of very negative and think, well, I I, I don't have many gifts. I'm not sure that I have any gifts. Reality is every one of us is gifted in some way or other. And uh, it's important to recognize that. So in this church here, in, in the New Testament, we find there's different things that go on, teaching and praying and sharing and, and giving and all sorts of things. And you can go to other chapters. You can go to Romans chapter to 12. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through, through 14 and discover how God has gifted his people. And every one of us is gifted in some way or other. And... Uh, there are what we would call creation gifts, those, those gifts that we have by nature uh, that can be nurtured as we, we grow up in the Lord, as we grow to maturity. But creation gifts, those kind of natural talents that we have, whether it's in music, whether it's in carpentry, uh, whether it's in all sorts of other things, you, you know, those things that we, we just do. And somehow they're there and we, we find them relatively easy. There are other things, of course, that we, we have to learn and we have to apply ourselves in, in the way we, we do them. So you've got creation gifts, and then you've got what we would call perhaps spiritual gifts, which are God's grace gifts to us. You know, where he gives us, gifts us supernaturally beyond our means, where you can be used in ways that you would never have imagined so because of the gifts that he gives in that particular way. And so there's a whole variety of gifts, and, and we want to encourage everyone to be entering into those gifts by, by, you know, it can be a false humility to say, oh, well, you know, I'm nothing. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 to think in the right way about ourselves. You see, we dishonor God when we say, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. You've heard that story, haven't you, about the lady who sang so beautifully and someone after her went, afterwards went to her and thanked her and said, oh, how beautiful. And she just said, well, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. To which the person turned around and said, well, I thought I, I, thought I saw your lips moving. Okay? So kind of false humility. Yeah, you give glory to God, don't you? You give glory to God. When we, when we, when we demise ourselves in that way, 
it's Satan who gets the benefit of it. So rightly recognizing those creation gifts, rightly recognizing those spiritual gifts, rightly pursuing them in faith. And there is faith involved in this because it takes us beyond our normal realm. That's what the Christian life is all about. It is from faith to faith. So you'll find all of this stretching. God will, will, will challenge you and he will stretch you and he'll want you to step out. It may be that you've never prayed for anybody before. And suddenly there's that opportunity. And you think, oh, not me. Who am I? But it's you and God. And that makes all the difference. You and God. And it's God is the one. The story of Jennifer Reese Larkham, such an amazing story of a woman who spent so many years in a wheelchair, salt healing from some very big names and never got healed. And then one day she's in a meeting and a young Christian, a young Christian who really didn't know a great deal about this kind of stuff but knew God heals and so on, just felt the Holy Spirit saying to her, I want you to go and pray for that lady. She thinks, really? But she was obedient to the voice of the Spirit. And she went and prayed for Jennifer Reese Larkin. What happened? She was healed. Hallelujah. God can use you. And you. And you. And you. God can use every one of us. And so, it's about a family that is gifted. Gifted in every way. And, and you know, in, in that too, it's rejoicing in other people's gifts. Rejoicing in them. Say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the way that, that word came, that picture, that healing, etc., etc. Thank you for their, their skills, their talents, and so on. So there's a whole variety of gifts. We all get to play. You know, when you, you look at a football team, we we make a lot of the people on the pitch, don't we? But these big football teams, man, there are so many people working behind the scenes. We can immediately think of the, the manager, but there's more than the manager. There's the coaches. There's, there's the, you know, the backroom staff, etc. There's all sorts of people who work to make a football team successful. We very often glory in the people who are on the pitch. But every member counts. Whether it's a centre forward, whether it's in defence, whether it's goalkeeping, whether it's out there in the stands in different ways, helping, whether it's in the offices, etc. We we all get to play. That's great, isn't it? We all get to play. If you want to discover something of your gifts, something that Andy Robinson was sharing with us the other day, is you can go online and you can, you can fill in these things to, to kind of find out what your personality is and where your particular giftings may lean. They're useful. They're good. They're helpful. But there is a danger sometimes even in that that people can say, oh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Lauren Cunningham uh, from YWAM, he said this. He said, If we can have that slide, I think we've got one there. Thank you, Caroline. The way you discover your spiritual gifts is really by serving and not by searching. There is a place for searching. But I love this statement because there are all sorts of needs around us that are just waiting to be fulfilled. It's interesting, isn't it, when 
when everybody, you've got a whole group of people at dinner, say, and then somebody suddenly knocks over a glass and it goes, and suddenly it's all over the tablecloth, it's all down the person's dress or their, their jacket or whatever, and you watch what happens. They don't just say, oh dear, oh my goodness, oh my, 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 what are we going to do? You know, that suddenly you see different people move into action. There's somebody who's concerned for the person who's just had everything spilt over them. There's somebody who suddenly looks at the, the situation and thinks, oh, we need to, well, I, need, I need to go and get a cloth, and they're off out into the kitchen. There's somebody else who thinks, goodness me, this, this table's a mess now. I need to sort that out. And so in different ways, you suddenly find people coming into action, engaging in different ways. So we all get to play. There are areas of need. What can I do to help? The kingdom is about getting our hands dirty. No sphere is below our dignity. That's important to realise that. No sphere is below our dignity. Cleaning toilets should not be below our dignity. I remember the guy who, to do with the whole servant heart evangelism, who just started that off saying that he just loved cleaning toilets. Love cleaning toilets. Not just church toilets, but toilets elsewhere and so on. Nothing's below our dignity. There are many ways to serve. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So there are numerous ways that we can serve. Lastly, growth. Jesus wants his church to grow. Amen? Yeah, he wants his church to grow. There's always dangers at certain points where we this is nice, this is comfortable, but Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so there we read in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord added to their number daily. So Jesus' big intention is that his church would grow, but he doesn't do that automatically. He uses the likes of you and I. He uses Sunday mornings. He uses community groups. He uses you in your place of work, in your street, etc. He uses us in different ways to grow his church. And as we move into the, the latter part, we'll be thinking more about that, so I don't want to go dig into that one too much now. But when we come into the out section, that's where we'll be thinking more directly. So church not only exists to care for those who come to faith, but it exists for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And we want, to, we want to encourage everyone to engage with those around them, to find ways of engaging with them as, in love. And just hearing the story about Bob Roberts, the big thing with him is, is love, just loving. Just loving people who don't believe what he does, don't do as he does, and he just loves them. And because he loves them, they're willing to listen to him. There's a door of opportunity. And so for each one of us to, to look to providing opportunities for those around us to encounter Jesus Christ. Because it's the best and the greatest encounter they can ever have. So we're called to growth. We're called to engage with God in his purposes. We're called to, to partner with him. We're called to, to partner together as a community 
of God's people. You think of the story in the New Testament where where it was said, come, see a man. Come, see a man who told me everything. And the big thing there is, are you so enraptured with Jesus that you would be wanting to say that? Come, see a man. This amazing man. This man who loved me and gave his life for me. This man who, through whom I've been forgiven and I have a new life and who, through his spirit, energizes me every day. And so, as we come to a close, what do we need to take away? What do we need to take away? God is sovereign. Jesus is building his church, but it won't get built on its own. He wants us to be devoted, to be wholly committed, to be unreservedly committed, to belong. If you're not part of the church, then we have vision and values, and we would invite you to to join in on vision and values. And there's community groups, a part where you can engage in our life together and grow together as a person and learn how to to not only grow, but to reach out into your world with the love and word of Jesus Christ. Your gifts. The last slide that will come up in a minute has a whole lot of opportunities that exist here at Gateway. Refreshments, PA, media, set-up, stewarding, youth and children, worship, music and song, Alpha, creative, coffee and play, so chronic pain, catering events, cleaning, do-it-yourself, leading a group, caretaking and maintenance, gardening, and so on. That's a lot, you know, and there are different ways that we can be involved in life here at Gateway. We're all called to play. We're all to, called also to give. We can also give financially. That's something we would encourage people to do, to to give of their resources, because it is that that facilitates our mission together. You can help the church grow. I can help the church grow. And together, we can help the church grow. Let's stand, shall we?